Welcome to the Manor. Welcome to the Twin Terrors, Macabre Manor of Mead, Metal, and Mayhem. I'm James. And I'm Jody. Whenever five or six English-speaking people meet around the fire on Christmas Eve, they start telling each other ghost stories. Nothing satisfies us on Christmas Eve but to hear each other tell authentic anecdotes about specters. It is a genial, festive season, and we love to muse upon graves and dead bodies and murders and blood. (laughs) (laughs) Or some of us like to do it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That quote comes from English humorist Jerome K. Jerome in his Told After Supper uh, selection of stories from 1891, and it fits in nicely with our uh, episode today, the tradition of midwinter ghost stories and dreadful beings. Yeah. Growing up, I had always wondered that there's a line in the uh, Christmas Carol, it's the most wonderful time of the year, where he mentions scary ghost stories. Always wondered where that came from. And we're going to find out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> After this episode, you will know. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not really a shock. After all, it's it's winter time. It's mid, you know, so the sun's not seen very much so it's it's dark it's scary there's hardly any sun and if you're going to tell ghost stories and be spooked out at halloween which is where winter starts not sure yeah. why you wouldn't be at, you know midwinter whether you call it what it will whatever you want <laughs> many <laughs> names there are many names to midwinter yes <sighs> of course we did all those halloween specials and uh, I, I blame Jody for for a good portion of those in one of the episodes. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> we should do this. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't quite realize that we were going to shove everything into the month of October, but <laughs> once we started doing it, it was like, okay, I guess we're going to do that. <laughs> uh, Rolling Stones and what's not? Yeah. Uh, so so th- this one's on me. <laughs> um, a couple things inspired this article. Uh, the second one. Uh, I'll get to the the primary one in a little bit, but the second one is an article my friends have been sharing this year and last year on on Facebook, and I think I know you've shared it this year, and I can't remember who all shared it last year, but I know between you and uh, a couple other people this year, and I know a couple of you shared it last year, it's uh, called A Plea to Resurrect Christmas Tradition of Telling Ghost Stories, and is written in Smithsonian Magazine, or and we'll, we'll, we'll put the link up in the show notes so you can link straight to it so they get the credit for it. Uh, and on this August occasion, um, because we're doing Christmassy types of things, you old types of things, I, I was thinking of making a smoking bishop, which is a mulled wine mentioned in Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol, but that's like a uh, mulled wine, and I don't like wine, so I, I'm not having that. <laughs> you can do it with mead. I could. But then, then it's not a smoking anything. I guess there's a whole collection. There's a smoking bishop, a smoking pope, a smoking priest. But they're all wine, pour, champagne things. Um, so, but I could have just had a mead. Yes. Instead, I'm having Sam Adams' seasonal release old Fezziwig. Oh, damn it. That's what I forgot to look for at the store tonight. <laughs> but I am, I am drinking um, my old uh, Southern, Southern Tier... Uh, Warlock. Ooh, is that the stout with? Yes, uh, that's that's the one we tried spices? at Sonka's. Yes. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> and I thought, you know, dark, cold nights, dark, cold beer. Perfect. Warlock, spooky stories. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, um, Victorian era uh, is especially when this started and started to come about. 
Uh, and Victorian era is really big for doing a lot of Christmas traditions and getting things sort of back into what we would know as Christmas after after many years and, and decades. Uh, yeah. But the Victorian era, uh, periodicals and papers would publish ghost stories every Christmas. Uh, so it was a, a big thing back then. And of course, you know, back then, Victorian era, a couple hundred years ago, but still kind of neat that they would do this. And I have yeah. a, a few in here uh, before we get to the big one uh, that I, I thought were really interesting that I have read some of and some I haven't, but they, they, they either look neat or I have read them and that was wildly repetitive. <laughs> anyway, uh, one of the ones I want to find and I probably can because it should be in the, the public domain or I could order it fairly cheap at a bookstore is the Keepsakes, Keepsake Stories which is a title given to three short stories by Sir Walter Scott, Scotland's, one of Scotland's most famous authors. And yeah. it was uh, published uh, Christmas 1828. Huh. So one of these, uh, one I actually did find online that I started to read earlier, but I haven't finished, so I can't go into much detail. But it's the scarifying, the tapestried chamber. <laughs> uh, if we go a little further back, uh, so it's not just Let's. a Victorian. Okay, thank you. I, I think we will. I, I wasn't sure if I should, but uh, uh, so we Do go back. It. <laughs> oh, little devil on my shoulder! <laughs> ah, fucker bit me. <laughs> so going further back, so it's happened before even Victorian era. Yes, uh, Shakespeare's. The Winter's Tale, uh, the, one of the characters, uh, Mamilius says, a sad tale's best for winter. I have one of sprites and goblins. So these types of tales have been going on for hundreds of years, even if the ghost stories were popular in Victorian times, much sooner than that. Now, what is that? Shakespeare's Elizabethan times, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and it, it's not just ghosts. Uh, one of our favorite authors that we've talked about immensely is, is J.R.R. Tolkien's, and, and he wrote Letters to Father Christmas. Letters to Father, yeah. Uh, it begins with a wicked, viciously-looking evil face at Santa's window. Uh, Santa's window's not on the ground floor, but that's because the North Pole's under attack by bat-riding goblins. Yes. Damn it, I hate it when they're riding bats. Those are the worst. Well, no, the worst ones are when they're riding wargs. But, yes. You know, still. So yeah, it's it's wintertime is not just for ghosts. It's for all sorts of spooky things like the bat riding goblins attacking Santa. Uh, there's Old Tron, the goblin chief in the Norwegian tale, the Christmas visitors at mm-hmm. Kavame. And uh, also, you know, he's he's a goblin chief who'd be under the Sweden's goblin king's auspices. There's also Norwegian Jultul, which is uh, a, a goblin, which if you go to the cracks in the mountain at Christmas time, you can maybe get in there and sneak a peek at all his gold and silver plates and see if you can survive or not. <laughs> it's something I just found out when I was doing some research because I didn't just try to look at two or three things. I actually tried to, to look at quite a bit. I, I never realized or never thought about it, I suppose, that Hansel and Gretel is a Christmas story. Yeah, I... Um, I, I... I guess I can go back and read that. Well, I know I can because I'm sitting here. I can see my copy of Brothers Grimm on the bookshelf. <laughs> um, so I don't, I, I've read it, but I don't remember that it took place in a specific time of year. I don't um, think it takes place at a specific time of year mentioned, but I, I think some people 
assume it's a Christmas story because of the gingerbread house. Okay. So, and that's a type of thing that that. Germans would do at Christmas time, although they would use, I'm going to butcher this, but a Lovkuchen, which is similar to gingerbread, but no ginger. Um, Lebkuchen. What is it? Lebkuchen. Lebkuchen. Yes. Lebkuchen. Cool. See? And, and and let me tell you, that's some tasty stuff. <laughs> it, it is. I've actually had it too. I just don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Um, I, there's a, a European market here in town and I can, I can get that stuff. Well, I, I think I can get it almost year round actually. Um, but I don't buy it till around Christmas cause I buy a whole bunch and then I fucking gorge on it at Christmas time. And then I don't want it for the rest of the year. <laughs> I've already finished my first package of pfeffer noose. <laughs> Oh yeah, Pfeffernus. Yeah, there's some other. There's some more good stuff, Pfeffernus. Oh man, I tell you, between the English and German Christmas stuff, I I, I could, <laughs> yeah, gorge myself quite nicely. Anyway, uh, but perhaps the most famous of all these Christmas ghost stories, and one that yeah. most of our listeners will have heard of, if not all, would be a Christmas Carol. Christmas ghost yes. story. In, in fact, its full name is A Christmas Carol in Prose, being a ghost story of Christmas by Charles Dickens, written in 1843. Yeah. And I guess it did really, really, really well. He was having a bit of a hard time. I had some really good books come out, and then some that weren't so good. And then he wrote this, uh, published, I'm pretty sure, just a, a week or so before Christmas. It was this December 1843, and sold out and went into like a half a dozen or so reprintings almost right away. Huh. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's very popular. And so that leads me to the primary reason I thought about doing this. And this is when I texted Jody because I'm watching the movie, The Man Who Invented Christmas, which is a a fun, fictionalized, semi-biographical movie about how Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol. Yeah. And then I'm watching it. I'm like, you know, it's going to be December soon. We're recording this at the end of November. We we did all sorts of things for Halloween. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, No reason why we shouldn't do this one. Yeah. So even if it's just this one, we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, it was a really good movie. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's I, uh, not while I was watching it because I was quite engrossed with the movie. So I actually stayed off my, my phone and social media and, and games and everything while I watched it. But afterwards, I checked things. And that doesn't happen often. <laughs> um, I, uh, I was looking up the, some of the information that they're giving. And actually, the movies, I mean, of course, it's fictionalized. And there are things in there that aren't completely true. But they're, they're fun additions. But a lot of the background and the characters and everything are, are true. Huh. The, uh, the neatest one that I could not find information on, there's a character mm-hmm. in the movie, Tara, who's a, an Irish housemaid. And okay. um, Dickens is walking along in the house and he hears her telling stories to his children. And she's talking about, uh, she's telling stories of when uh, fairies or the dead, you know, the veil is thin, but she's not talking about Halloween. She's talking about it at Christmas. And, and that is true in a lot of Northern European cultures. Um, you know, even uh, some of the Irish still think Christmas time, midwinter anyway, is also another time where the bill is then, even if not as much as Samhain. Yeah, it's it neat. And I was looking at it and thought, yeah, we, sh- we should kind of talk a little bit about this. Dickens had other ghost stories as well. Uh, I think four others, in fact, or ghosts. Um, some had ghosts. I know one had goblins. I had to do with goblins and bells. I've sadly not read those. So now what was the, because um, I think you've read this. And I am going to try and get this. There it is. Uh, the Old Magic of Christmas, Yuletide Traditions for the Darkest Days of the Year uh, by Linda Radish. 
Yes, I actually have it in front of me. That was one of the books I was using for some of the bits and pieces of this. I was going to mention at the end, so that's perfect. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ah. Yep, The Old Magic okay. of Christmas. Uh, yeah, exactly what Jody said. Really nice book. It's a little under 275 pages if you take out the index and stuff at the end, um, around mm. just under 300 altogether if you count everything. Um, cool. But really nice. Yeah, a lot of the things I've been talking about at this point are not in that, but the things that will be coming up soon uh, are. It's it's a really good book. Well, it's a really good book for folklore and some traditions, but it also has like uh, crafts and recipes and stuff. So nice. it's it's actually like a good book for adults to get the information, but then yeah. uh, you could actually do some of the crafts and, and recipes with kids and talk about the things. So, uh, so the English also have some other really neat things uh, going on for Christmas and ghost stories. In fact, they have a annual British short television film series called A Ghost Story for Christmas, uh, originally broadcast between 71 and 78, 1971, 1978, of, of course. <laughs> yes. Uh, really? Was it 1871? No. No joy. It wasn't. <laughs> Shut up. I, was, I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> and much like Doctor Who went off back, you know, a couple decades ago, but was revived in 2005. So it's actually on, I think, BBC4 right now. Cool. And they, they have done a Christmas carol when, when they do it, but they use Who a hasn't? Yeah. Well, that, that's my next note. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they do a lot of uh, Montague Rhodes James stories, uh, better known as just M.R. James. Uh, oh. Yeah. Yes, go ahead. Just a, a very um, popular English author of, of all sorts of things, but especially his ghost stories. And my personal favorite is 1904's The Mezzotint about a painting. James evidently wrote, M.R. James wrote a ghost story every Christmas for years, and he, he kind of got it down to a, a pattern, really. And it's actually named after him, the, the Jameson, James, Jamesian, <laughs> the Jamesian, Jamesian storytelling method. I have a book, Masterpieces of Terror and the Supernatural. There was a story, oh, it was Nathaniel Hawthorne, never mind. Uh, it's a story called The Christmas Banquet. Um, you have this book too, Masterpieces of Terror and the, and the Supernatural. I do have it. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I, I remembered that story that it was a Christmas, it was a story that took place at Christmas. Um, but yeah, it's actually Nathaniel Hawthorne. So um, I'm an American writer. So Yes. And we'll get to one of those soon too. Yeah. Well, another one of those. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think that's just about it on that sort of Victorian Christmas thing, except to reiterate what Jody was talking about, how everybody's done a Christmas carol. I mean, that, that story is so deeply embedded. They're still putting them out. Uh, my wife and I just listened to, or listened to, watched one of the Doctor Who Christmas specials. And, and Doctor Who typically does a Christmas special most every year. Uh, and one of them with Matt Smith, the 11th Doctor, was a kind of version of the Christmas carol with a Scrooge-like character. Oh, cool. And, uh, of course, my favorites... If I had to pick three, just you know, off the top of my head, because they're not written down in front of me, uh, of course, <coughs> is uh, in, <laughs> in no particular order. But if I had to order them, it'd probably be the third would be Disney's uh, Mickey Mouse Christmas. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, the biggest reason for that is Scrooge McDuck is in it as Ebenezer Scrooge, and we all know how much I love Scrooge McDuck. Yes, uh, and Donald as his nephew Fred is really cool, and I love the Muppet version. Muppet Christmas Carol with Gonzo yeah. doing the narration and Bill Murray's Scrooged is just lovely fantastic. Okay. So I love Scrooged. That, that's a, that is a classic. Yes. Um, 
I like the Disney one. Uh, you know, I don't think that I've seen uh, the Muppets Christmas Carol, at least not all the way through, surprisingly, because I've seen most <laughs> of the Muppets stuff. I, I, and I think the Disney one was probably one of the first versions of it I saw. So I, I definitely agree with you on probably two out of three of those. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the two I've seen. Um, you have you, others? Uh, the Looney Tunes did one too. And I, I don't remember. I think Daffy was actually the uh, Scrooge character. I've not seen that. I know it's out there. Most of that stuff's been done since Chuck Jones left. And well, I mean, he's, he's dead now, but a lot of that stuff got done after he left. And I, I mean, they had, Looney Tunes had a lot of great directors through the years, but Jones was the last as far as I was concerned. Uh, so going back to the Muppet one, just kind of briefly, yeah. um, it's not the Muppet Christmas Carol, but the Muppets did put out a song or an album of Christmas songs. My favorite is where they're singing about, bring us some figgy pudding, oh, bring us some figgy pudding. And Miss Piggy's yes. in there. She goes, what? And Gonzo goes, figgy pudding. It's made out of figs. And she goes, oh. And he goes, and pork. And you hear her go, what? And then they start singing. <laughs> <laughs> Just, it's fantastic. I can totally hear that in my head. <laughs> uh, I love Gonzo. Um, yeah, Gonzo's great. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so before we go on to the dreadful beings part, moving on from the ghost stories aspect, which has been going on for hundreds of years, and I agree with the Smithsonian, we should bring them back. Uh, yeah. did, did you have anything on ghost stories at Christmas before we go? Um, no, not outside of the fact that I'm going to start reading more of them around that time. <laughs> I Actually, my daughter bought me a Christmas Carol, the, the actual uh, Charles Dickens Christmas Carol, and I read it. Uh, once every two years. Once every year at Christmas is just a bit too often, but every yeah. two years is pretty good. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've, again, I've never, I've never read it. I've only watched some of the adaptations. I, th I think George C. Scott was in one. I think I saw that one. And in fact, I think uh, it's this year. I've got to uh, get to read it again. So I, I may try to do that sometime. But yeah, I, I'm definitely um, some of the stuff I didn't get to to, to do in October. I'm going to try and do in December. And there's a good reason to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an even better reason. All right, so moving on to Dreadful Beings. And, and this is where I got some of the information from The Old Magic of Christmas. Uh, some is from it. Some is from my other research in the folklore and different things. And, in fact, this section's fairly small. Uh, so is the other one. We could probably do an hour episode on the first part and the second part here being Dreadful Beings and on the third part that's coming up. No, which is actually quite short here, but yeah, yeah it's, you know, it's just a nice overview, but uh, so dreadful beings type of things at Christmas. It's not just Halloween where we get all sorts of wicked things going across the sky. Right. Um, of course you have uh, a purchase night, which is in the spring with the witch's night. Uh, but as far as Christmas goes, uh, you have the wild hunt, which we could do a whole entire episode on and, and I may want to sometime, uh, but that, yes. that, that occurs all throughout the year, but notably from autumn and through winter time. So yeah. uh, Christmas time is a, is a very big time. In fact, uh, one of the, the sort of neat little additions is, is from November through 12th night. And remember 12th night, the 12 nights, 12 days of Christmas actually start on Christmas day and they go to epiphany in January. So it's not the 12 days before Christmas, 12 days at Christmas and after. Yes. So uh, as, as opposed to, as opposed to the heavy metal Christmas, which was twisted sisters version of the 12 days of Christmas. Well, uh, that 
that's just so wicked awesome that that should have its own episode. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, from uh, November through Twelfth Night, you should stay out of barns with opposing doors because the wild hunt like to sweep through. Wouldn't that be barnstorming? That that would be barnstorming, except instead of with a biplane, it, you know, it's it's spectrum. the wild hunt. And speaking of monsters and and such. <laughs> <laughs> and and winter um okay so black metal uh we typically think of as coming from scandinavia mostly norway but some sweden and finland and denmark and you know, finland, mostly finland, finland. yeah <laughs> um so a, a way that i when, when i was actually trying to or starting to get in more into some of the more extreme stuff like uh, black and death metal black and death metal as opposed to blackened death metal which isn't too bad either no um so the the, the way i kind of thought of to, to differentiate the two is death metal um because they both use well death metal uses more of a guttural singing style growling singing style and black metal uses more of a screaming screeching singing style <laughs> so so uh, um the way I kind of thought of to differentiate the two is that uh, death metal, they're trying more to sound like the thing that's crawling up out of the crypt to eat your face. Hmm. And so that's death metal. And black metal is the thing out in the snowy wintry forest <laughs> that's coming up to eat your face. <laughs> nice. So it's, I like that. You've got all these shadows and stuff because the moon's reflecting off the snow and you got trees all around, you know. Yeah, if you've not been out in the woods on a very bright moon night with the snow, you're missing out on some spooky stuff. It's cool. Exactly, yeah. Which is why ghost stories fit so well with this time of year. <laughs> Ta-da! And you all didn't think we could bring that back around. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> All right, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, so in that case, I'm going to move on. <laughs> okay. And just kind of quickly go over uh, a couple others. So in Iceland, there's Hild, who's an elf queen who liked to, uh, nobody knew who she was. She was just a, what appeared to be an innocent farmhand doing the things for the farmer's family. But she was really an elf queen. And she would put an elf saddle on the farmhands at night that would turn them into basically a, a horse. And then she would ride them around the countryside so much that they'd be ragged and would soon die if it happened well uh, once or twice or three times yeah third time's a charm <laughs> yeah, there's no charm against the old puny mortal <laughs> <laughs> sorry um and uh, we could go into the krampus because he's cool but a lot of people have done krampus yeah and that was uh, krampus was something that i really didn't even know about until couple of years ago all of a sudden he just kind of exploded all over social media yeah um, yeah like uh well, and, and yeah, it's i been a while but yeah i lived in europe I, I mean i lived in germany for 14 months when i was a teenager i, I knew nothing <laughs> of krampus <laughs> i mean I, I mean granted that was only 14 months and it was an entire school year so, um, yeah, I was there at Christmas time, but I heard nothing of Krampus the entire time I lived there. So I, I, I missed out on that. Apparently. I don't know. Yeah. And yeah. So I know some of these old things aren't as popular in Europe, even though that's where they're from. And here in the States, we've taken them and popularized them, which probably means we bastardized them somewhat, <laughs> but you know, but, but oh, we I guarantee them. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
but but they're neat. We like them, and, and at least we're keeping yeah. them going. And and I think sometimes it's a two way street where they had them, don't do them anymore. We start doing them, and they start doing them again. Yeah. So to all of our old world cousins, we appreciate it. Thank you for all these cool things you've given us. Because <laughs> if you left it us to <laughs> our puritanical his, uh, sorry, gonna let that go. Whew. All right. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> So uh, Iceland also has the Yule Lads. Uh, these are just trolls that come out at Christmas time, and uh, yeah. they range in numbers. Uh, there's not a set number, although I think people have tried to make set numbers. Think anywhere from 4 to 13 or 9 to 13 is, is kind of the range that different stories have. But they're neat. They have names like Meat Hooker, Door Sniffer, Skirt Blower, Gully Gawk. You know, it's, and their names are typically what they do. Meat Hooker will take the piece of meat off your table. Door Sniffer goes around sniffing your doors skirt blowers somebody the young ladies don't want to be around (laughs) he's my favorite (laughs) (laughs) i I wish i knew what the hell golly gawk meant because (laughs) maybe he's the one that maybe you know you you started this with talking about or well no you didn't start just talking about the father christmas letters but you did you did mention tolkien and the father christmas letters and how the father christmas letters started with the goblins looking in the window Hmm. is that like gawk mean meaning to look to gawk I'm I'm speculating. I don't know, but no, that like would that. make sense. It does. Um, yeah. If anybody knows, yeah. please cor- correct us or tell us we're right. So. Yeah. Just don't be gawking down my gully. <laughs> you, you don't want to. That's as much for you as it is to me, gully. So, <laughs> um, in another area, Somerset, England. Uh, and not just Somerset, but the you know uh, some of the things I found kind of pointed that out. Uh, witches would use chimneys at Christmas, and you can even find ghost stories uh, where they would come in through the chimney because at certain times of the year they couldn't just walk through your walls or doors like others because Christmas is a bit more holy. Yeah. But they could come down the chimney. This is one of the reasons why some people think we have a Yule log. I, oh, I don't, don't know if well, I agree yeah, with that. But well, if it, if it, do you want witches coming down your chimney? <clears throat> I, I had many not safe <laughs> comments to reply to that. Uh, so I'm going to go with no. <laughs> well, then you want the log to burn the whole time. Yeah. So Although yeah. I've heard, I've, I've actually heard different, um, and I cannot remember what they are off the top of my head, but I have heard different explanations for the Yule log. But yeah, yeah, it's, in this I context, to... I said I said that word, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I was taking a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, you beat me to it. Um, in, in this yeah, context. Um, I'll, I'm going to take a drink in a second after I finish my thought. I, I would say in this context, that is why you, that is a reason why you would want the you log to burn to keep people from coming down the chimney. It would be, especially those darn Norwegian witches who are out and about at Christmas, because at Christmas in Norway, evidently the witches had to go flying around and go sign old Eric's book, old Eric being the devil, and yeah. then they would want to come swooping down through your chimney to steal your children and what's not. Yes. And then we have, of course, St. Andrew's Day, which isn't Christmas, but it is after Halloween. Uh, St. Andrew's Day varies by country, but it's the very, very tail end of November to the very beginning of December. So it's still in there. Uh, It's it's used to mark the beginning of Advent. Uh, But much like Scotland and Ireland have young women and, and sometimes men trying to do divination to see their future, or, you know, their future husbands, or if they're going to live or die, or whatever it may be. At this time of year is where some of the Eastern European countries, like Poland, uh, where Polish girls would divinate using 
lead and water to get the initial of their husband's future husband's name. Now, normally you don't want lead and water. Yeah, normally you don't. So I'm not sure how this works out because hot lead. I, well, I, I was going to say, my guess is that you're pouring hot molten lead into water. And then as, as it cools, when it hits the water, whatever pattern it makes is what you're supposed to divine from. Would Again, I'm speculating here. I don't know. No, no. That, that's, yeah, kind of like the uh, either the, the candle wax or the apple peel that you would do. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I got something here we can either... I can tell you now, or we can save this for the end. Uh, I, I looked up Yule Lads on Wikipedia. Just go do it now so we don't forget. Screw it up. Okay. Um, according to Wikipedia, so take it however you want. <laughs> Great assault, but probably true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gully Gawk hides in gullies waiting for an opportunity to sneak into the cow shed and steal milk. Well, there we go. So. Neat. I don't know what I don't know where the gawk comes from because I was thinking the other version. I wasn't I, I wasn't thinking of Gully. So, but yeah, he's okay. waiting for his time. So maybe he's yeah. gawking to see when the cows are left alone. There you go. Neat. Yeah. All right. So, but but to get back to St Andrew's Day, just for a, a, yeah. a just a few more things, witches on this day would be cleaning their cauldrons and pots in Austria for for some reason, and <laughs> uh, in, in Romania. You not only stayed at home on nights like this, but you sealed the house completely. I mean, just like taped it up as much as you could or, you know, whatever you used back in the day when they didn't have yeah. tape. Uh, because on this night, vampires would rise from their graves, would go walking around the countryside with their coffins actually on their back, but they'd try to get into the homes that they came from. Yes. And then when now, they couldn't, they would go fight each other at crossroads because crossroads are a liminal space where a bunch of spooky, malevolent things happen. Yes, like the old blues man selling his soul to the devil for talent. Yeah, actually, I want to do an episode on Crossroads because I've written an, ep an article on Crossroads, which includes the blues man and the devil and witches and dead people and all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, I, I can see that because if you've got cracks in your windows or not, you know, they're not sealed well around the edges or whatever, around the doors, vampires could, could get in that way because... Uh, you know, according to some traditions, they can turn into smoke or whatever. But, you know, there's also a practical reason for doing it. Keep your house warm. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What well, was in one of the meat episodes, which at this point, we don't, you know, <laughs> may come out before or after. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we talked about uh, in Ireland, the corpse landed on a young man's back in Halloween and he went traipsing across countries. Yeah. And, and gave hints on throwing out the water. So, yeah, these folklore things. See, context. Yes. Sorry, taking a drink. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, this is something we're also working on this uh, series of episodes on on fairy stories. Uh, Tolkien's essay, Lecture Next Essay. Uh, that that also ties into some of the folk tales and fairy stories, and and that they they could be instructions on certain things you're supposed to do or not do. Just like some of these, you know, things like. Oh, yes, you must seal up your house to keep the vampires out. <laughs> to keep the cold out, too. <laughs> dad got, the, the dad in the log cabin got tired of yelling about the heat, so he made up a story about vampires instead. I, you know, he may have got a better reaction out of that, too. Because <laughs> yep. I know with me, yeah, I would have been like, eh, I like it cold. You know, the vampires get in, oh, shit. Oh, no, no, <laughs> okay. 
Uh, but see, uh, Neil Gaiman actually does a really neat, one of his very, very short stories. It's just called in, uh, Instructions or something, but it's just simple instructions on what to do if you find yourself in a fairy tale. To finish up the St. Andrew's Day, just to mention that this time of year has spooky things. In Romania, on St. Andrew's Day Eve, wolves are allowed to eat as many animals as they want. Uh, evidently, the people don't go out that night and try to take care of it, you know, between all the vampires and stuff roaming around is probably well, a bad idea. I was going to say, if they did the werewolves would eat them. Yeah. The <laughs> I guess they could also speak that night. The wolves could. Oh, cool. But, but if you heard them speak, you would die. Uh, oh, that I, sucks. No, it, it does. So that makes me wonder, how does anybody know this then? But, you know, like, how do you know somebody died from falling in their dream because they died? Good point. Then we'll, we'll jump into traditions and... There's not much here I was going to talk about simply because it would take a lot of time to really go into to traditions. Um, but I did want to mention that because of Charles Dickens and A Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. uh, that's the, there wasn't a lot of tradition going on in either the Americas or in England at certain points in time, partially because of the Puritans at one point or another had frowned upon every sort of type of festival you could have and didn't want you to have any fun at all. Pricks. Yep. <laughs> so Charles Dickens... Uh, his work reinvigorated and got the English to start doing some of the uh, the more Christmas festival festive things and allowing for time off. There are a lot of places didn't allow for time off when Scrooge didn't allow Krampus. Bob. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> so when <What> Scrooge <laughs> so when Scrooge Sorry. did not allow Bob time off, that that wasn't really that big of a deal. That happened almost all across. And after Christmas Carol. Certain companies started allowing their employees a day off and even maybe buying them a turkey because of this story. So huh. it, was, it was very helpful. Cool. But it was Washington Irving in his The Sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon, gent, gentleman, uh, serialized from 1819 to 1820 and later bound together. And this uh, collection of stories includes Rip Van Winkle, Legend of Sleepy Hollow, so other ghost, spooky, fairy type of stories. Yes. But he also did essays on Christmas. Uh, so he, he discussed English Christmas traditions because he'd visited England just yeah. a, a little, you know, several years prior. Uh, but he came back in and he talked about these and got some of these back into American culture. And because of the Puritanistic viewpoint of everything and the fact that here in America, back in this point in time, at Christmas time, a lot of the reason it was cut out was because everybody was getting completely drunk and tanked and yeah. it wasn't so much a fun festival as a drunk fest. Yeah. Uh, can't, can't imagine what that's like. New, new, uh, new. Um, well, if you know the story of the uh, <laughs> Hessians um, in yeah. New Jersey when George Washington crosses the Delaware on <laughs> beats their ass on Christmas. Yeah. yeah, crosses Delaware on Christmas Eve, beats their ass on Christmas Day. They were drunk. They were tanked. They got some information saying that the Patriots weren't around. So they went about their business. So that's kind of what yeah. it was. You got really tanked. Yeah. But Washington Irving brought some of the English countryside traditions and everything back into America and uh, made them popular. But these uh, tuned it down quite a bit. It brought the, the warmth back, you know, the, the whole family getting together, having a nice, lovely fire, some music. But it, it did retain the festival part. You could still play cards. You could still drink and enjoy yourself and just have a good time. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Washington Irving brought it back in. And, and you mentioned Nathaniel Hawthorne. They were 
um, compatriots. They were temporaries. That's the word I'm looking for. Contemporaries. Yeah. <laughs> you philologists. Uh, <laughs> they were contemporaries, so they they were writing similar things. In fact, there's a group of them that I don't want to get into, but there were a few authors at the time who were writing about holidays and culture because they wanted to create an actual American, more homogenized culture. Because, um, you yes. know, early 1800s, we hadn't been a country very long, so. No, no, we hadn't. So uh, Washington Irving brought it into America. Uh, Dickens, a little bit later, I mean, Washington Irving actually wrote his things before Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol. So he took True. English ideas into America, but Dickens really made it explode and and went into a little more of a, instead of just writing about the culture, he fictionalized it, but made it more plottable in some ways. Hmm. We could do a lot more on all these topics, but. <laughs> yeah, maybe later. Yeah. Just to finish up, I thought I would read a small little poem called Christmas Eve by Thomas Cartwright, an English theologian, uh, born 1535, passed away 1603. St. Francis and St. Benedict bless this house from wicked white, from the nightmare and the goblin, that is height, good fellow Robin. Keep it all from evil spirit, fairies, weasels, rats, and ferrets, from curfew time to the next prime. So on that note, I'm James. I'm Jody. And uh, wish you... Uh, Merry Yule. Yeah. Or Solstice. Or Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever your midwinter festival of choice is. Yeah. Right. Saturnalia. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. I am, I am, I am, I said to no one there. <laughs> oh, uh, funny, funny story on Pfeffer News. I, I gave, I gave someone time to somebody who claimed to be a super taster. Their reaction was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Were their taste buds so in tune that they got all the spices and whatnots and <laughs> it overloaded them. <laughs> That's that's bloody fantastic. It was. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen that. There's a snail named after Scrooge's cat for, catchphrase, Bah Humbuggy. <laughs> so I, I found that today and just found that amazing, so I had to put that in there. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so the, the English are big. Cough. What? It's at the end of In My Time of Dying. I didn't know what the hell you're singing. It sounded like you're doing the chicken dance. Oh, God, no. No. Actually, Robert E. Howard gave a solemn. Yes, he was a Puritan.